Welcome to episode 86. What is your client spend? Thank you so much for joining me. This is the Stephanie Lanes Institute Beauty Business Podcast. And this is Stephanie Lanes. I love talking about client spend. If you've never heard this term before, it's typically the amount you want your client to spend in your business every time they visit your business, regardless if they have an appointment or not. And I use the term client spend, especially when I'm coaching and I'm talking to estheticians about the expectation of what you want every single client to spend in your business. So if your client spend is $50, if your client spend is $100, if your client spend is $200, then everything you design now in your business, your service menu, the retail you sell is going to be positioned around that client spend. Very different than when you started your business. When you started your business, you were just happy to get clients in the door. You were happy that people looked at your service menu and that they decided what they wanted to do. If you're five years or longer, I would even say two years, let's go real conservative. You've been in the business for two years. You're going to have to, at some point, look at what your client spend needs to be in order for you to stay in business, in order for you to make income and take it home so that you can provide for yourself and to keep the doors open. So the client spend is going to be even more important every year, one, when you do your price increase in January, and two, when you redo your menu at the end of the year, moving into the new price increase happening January 1st of every year. I like talking about client spend. I think this gives a really good perspective for many of you because you probably have never done a client spend analysis and you've never probably understood that you need your clients to spend a certain amount every time they frequent the business. Now, this can be tied to a service. This can be tied to your retail sales. Doesn't matter. Every time that specific client and every client that comes to the business has to spend this certain amount. So then you back into it, right? For example, let's take it really simple. If your goal is every single client that comes to your business, whether they're going to buy retail only or they have services, they're going to spend $100. Your goal, especially as you charge for what you're going to be offering, needs to back into that $100. So if you have a Brazilian wax client and every time they see you, it's $85, there's a $15 difference that you're going to need to make up, right? Um, is it 15? No, 25 I think it's 25. Good Lord. Hold on. Let me get my daggone calculator out. 85 minus 100. Yeah, 15. I was right. So $15 is the minimum that they should be spending on their retail. That's why retail, in my opinion, my opinion is so important. Because if my goal is to have every single client that sees me spend $100, then every service they purchase or every service they get then I need to make sure that total spend before they leave is $100. Why do I like $100 as an even kind of even number? If I see 100 clients in a month and they all spend $100, that's 10 grand. See how simple that is? But many of you don't look at your client spend because you don't retail. And you need to retail. Like the businesses that I work with and estheticians that I coach, they retail. Some do better than others, but I have extremes. I have ones that are doing really, really well in the service space, but they have no more space. They can't take any more clients. They don't have any more time on the calendar and they're kind of maxed on the services. So in order for them to make more money, they have to have more retail. Then I have some who retail really, really well, but don't have a lot of clientele and you don't need a lot of clientele to retail, but they do want to have more busier books. So, you know, I work with extremes. But both of those extremes also include retail. 
And when I explain to people and I explain to you all that you're listening, there's a limit to your services. You can only do so many services, but in order for you to have a really amazing business, to have money and have that extra money sitting around, it's always going to come from retail. If you need to, you know, spend on something or invest in a new retail line or invest in new back bar, it always comes from your retail. So if you don't have a great retail strategy, you're going to struggle a little bit because the retail, in my opinion, is just as important as services, if not more. If we're doing changes in the skin, whether you're doing hair removal or skincare services, those changes come from retail, daily care. It doesn't come from seeing you once a month. And changing that mentality for many estheticians that I work with has totally allowed them to have more money in their business. Is one of the reasons why I stress having a website, creating a Facebook group, all of these things, because the additional income is what's going to sustain your business. Even if you don't have clients that show up or they cancel last minute, you're not able to fill them. You still, you still should be able to earn on the retail side consistently. But we don't set up our business in that way. It's almost like retail is reactionary. When I was in aesthetic school, retail is was taught to us to be just as important as the services because your services will never change their skin if they can't commit to home care. But what I see from a lot of estheticians now is that they're okay with figuring out what they can go to Sephora to use or what they can go to Ulta to use, even though those are not the same products, but they're okay with saying that we'll just go over here and get this and get that and get this and get that. And what I find when I educate estheticians in this way, you really don't know what they're putting on their skin or who's talked them in to using something else on their skin. And they're not going to get the results that you've discussed because you're not completing that circle. They're coming to you to fix an issue. They're coming to you to fix a problem, but we turn them away. Well, let me just do a service and then go over there to get your retail. When you have them captive right here. The reason I say all the time that I made a lot of money on retail is because I don't have any issues with explaining the function of what I need them to do with the product. I don't have a problem explaining that. And I find that when you are open in that way, people really kind of respond really well because most of the time they're not getting what they need for their skin when they're walking into a Sephora by themselves. They're getting sold or an Ulta or wherever. They're being sold. They're not doing any skin analysis. They're not understanding what they need. They're, those people are going to show them the best sellers, the highest that they need for their commissions. It has nothing to do with the client need. On the other hand, your client in your business, you're speaking to them, are looking for you to solve a problem. Why are we not solving those problems? Because we don't have all of our tools that we need. You can't solve their problems if you don't have those tools. You could have them but you're choosing not to. So when it comes back to the expectation that every time I see a client, every appointment that I do, they're going to be spending $100. That's a different conversation. And I'm pretty sure you've never had this type of conversation before, especially when it comes to planning how clients spend in your business. We've never been open to this because many of us have struggled for so long that even saying 
this is how much a client should spend in my business is so foreign that you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't speak those words because I'm not sure if clients are going to show up. I remember being in that space. I don't know who's going to show up. And, it, and at some point, it's not about who shows up. It's about planning with the expectation. So if I know clients are here, they've confirmed their appointments, we still should have an expectation for our, the amount they're going to be spending with us. It's why I say, and I've said this in my previous podcasts, you have a $10,000 business. If you execute from your planning, you have a $10,000 a month business. And it's not hard. It's just planning and executing now. So if you understand the bigger picture of what happens when you plan it out, you expect it, and the client actually comes through, and most of them will spend higher than your client spend, it's a wonderful feeling because that means that you're actually connecting. They have an issue. You're solving the issue. And we totally have to get out of this. Services will solve all problems for skin. It does not. It does not. Let's go down those facts. If they see you once a month, that's 12 times a year. So you mean to tell me 12 times a year, you can fix a problem. You can't. They have to do their daily application. They're going to have to do their home care. The changes come from home care, which is the result of daily application. So if you're not understanding that and you're discussing issues, and I don't care if this is hair removal services, if this is somebody that you are doing um, skincare services for, or anybody else that's in the beauty skincare industry, or even in the beauty industry as a whole, if there's an issue, it can't be fixed just by coming to see you once a month. It doesn't really work like that. But we've gotten so comfortable with trying to push that narrative that there's a lot of people who get frustrated because they feel that you have the answer that they need, but you're not ready to provide it for them because half of your tools are missing. The other part of that's what's missing in your toolbox is the ability to give them the correct products for their skin type, for their skin concern now. Not send them away, but give it to them now. And I love really explaining that very clearly. So if it hits you kind of in the gut and you're kind of realizing maybe I am sending them away, maybe I am pushing them away. Maybe they are coming expecting to spend with me and I'm not allowing them to spend with me. Maybe that why, that's why there's such a tug of war in your business right now because you do have the clientele you're just not providing them the opportunity to spend. I have a few podcasts on that one. And I think it's just looking at it from a very different space. If we're going to talk brick and mortar, right? Goals of brick and mortar. And I worked in them. My very first job was in a brick and mortar. I worked for a corporation. So I understand the expectation of sales and commissions. And I get that. They have a customer spend. There is an average that it, they expect every customer that walks into that brick and mortar to spend. So if they become a customer because you send them over there, and as soon as they walk in the door, there's a number attached to the expectation of the amount that they need to spend. Why don't we? Because they are going to go over to Sephora or Ulta or wherever they're going to go and there is a number on their head as soon as they walk into the door. There's an expectation that that customer is going to spend this amount when they're in this store. And the longer they're in the store, the more they spend. 
So if we're pushing them over there and they're becoming a client and customer for a brick and mortar and they have that same expectation for spending, why can't we have them spend with us? And here's the thing, when you understand that they come to your business expecting to spend money with you and you're now the reason they don't, it's a kick in the gut. They expect to spend with you. They want to spend with you. They want to give money to your business, but you're turning them away. It's kicking the gut. And I understand what it is because I see some of you in the group saying, I don't want to have products sitting on my shelf. You should never really have products sitting on your shelf, but you also don't talk about the reason why those clients should have those products. Like you're not in the fixer mode. You're not willing to fix their issue. You're not willing to walk to your shelf and say, this is what we're going to do with this plan, with this product for you to correct ABC. You're a fixer. They're coming to you to fix it. But instead of fixing it, we push them to big box locations and they become a customer spend when they walk over to that business, when they were already in our business. We have a captive audience. You have a relationship with them. They come expecting to spend. Allow them to spend. Let them spend. Give them the opportunity to spend. You know, I get a lot of questions about our sample program, and there's a lot of estheticians that still listen to my podcast that still utilize the sample program that I rolled out years ago. And the understanding of sampling is really an old school way of marketing. And it's been an old school way of marketing that has worked time and time and time again, but we don't quite understand why it's worked so well. And the reason why we don't understand it is because we've never thought about it, but we were always a part of it. So another aspect of client spending um, that you probably can relate to is the whole Estee Lauder effect. When you buy you know, $59 worth of their products, they gave you a free gift. But what if you don't understand the free gift mentality, the free gift mentality is to get you to that spend. So they're pushing you to the spend. So in order for them to meet the amount that they want every single customer to spend, they're going to give you a gift when you spend it. And guess what people did and still do? They spend it. You get your little your little bag, your little cosmetic bag, that little cheap little bag with some dried up little lipstick in it and some uh, perfume and maybe one or two very small sample products of skincare or lotion or whatever. But they did it, right? That gift pushed them over the edge. That gift gave them the understanding of, yes, I'm going to get this when I spend this. They're already doing it when they go into brick and mortars. Can we do it in our business? Absolutely. I include that into the client spend expectation. It's called gift with purchase. To get to do a gift with purchase, your goal is for them to spend a certain amount to get a gift. No different than the Estee Lauder effect. And in return, that gift can be whatever you want. And I think when we understand that clients are coming to spend with us and they under, and we understand that we're probably not giving them the opportunity 
But the reason I bring up the Estee Lauder gift with purchase is because many of us, we started our uh, fantasy of beauty and understanding beauty at an Estee Lauder counter somewhere, getting one of those little cosmetic bags and being excited when we opened it to see what we were getting. Imagine if you did that into your business and many do, many do. I'm not going to take it away because many do, because I've been teaching this, this, this and giving this aha moment to many estheticians. But imagine if you did it in yours and you increased that client spend and you got every client to $100 every time they walked into your business or every time they went to your website to purchase because you were doing a gift with purchase. How would your business change? If you took the average of the amount of clients you see in a month, and you said every client that I saw last month spent $100, where would you be in your business? Have you ever thought in that way? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say no, because many don't, because it's never presented in this way. We're taught to get a great service menu, have a couple good machines if we need to, build clientele, start cheap, raise your prices every year, and then you'll be settled. But you don't have to do that model. There are faster, quicker ways for you to grow consistent clientele that consistently want to give your business money without having to wait all of that time as you slowly increase because your services are so low. And then if you get in that space where your services are so low, you're in a rut there too because as everything around you goes up, it's hard for you to increase. So you, you battle yourself. But I love talking about client spend. I really do because there's so many ways that you can back into getting your client to spend the amount that you're looking for. I just think in my opinion, it's easy for many of you to kind of just say, ah, I'm okay. You know, I, I'm going to base my client spend on the services that come in or the services that they book. And I'm going to leave it at that. At some point, the client spend is going to become really important, especially if you are trying to grow, you're trying to either bring on employees, you're trying to bring in more retail, you're trying to get a bigger location, you're trying to give yourself a raise so you can, you know, in, improve where you're living or invest into, you know, a home. The client spend is going to become a very big part of your business if you don't start off with it. Not to say that it's too late, but I would start including it into your finance conversations because the client spending is what it allows you to have your business. And I just use $100 as an example. There are some estheticians, their client spend is $200 every time they come to their business, which is amazing. Can you do it? Absolutely. Can you start today? Absolutely. And I say this all the time. The service dollar and everything you make on services is already allocated. It's already allocated. So all of those dollars coming in on your services, they're already going out to certain expenses. The wiggle room, the extra money, the space in the business to grow comes from retail. And that's the only way you'll be able to have more. You'll get extra is retail. 
And I think when when estheticians kind of get that aha and they realize like, hmm, maybe I am missing something. And I actually might do a podcast on private label. And I think I have. I have a few, I believe. I may have to put it down in the show notes so you can see where my private label um which episodes my private label conversations are, because that gets into more of the client spend as well. Because when you start private labeling or you have a product that has your name on it, they're coming back to you over and over and over again for your product. So now you're not competing with anyone. They're just coming back over and over again to your product. That will increase the client spend. But it's also hard for estheticians to get into that space of private label because I feel a lot of them do it wrong. And there's totally different ways to do it to be successful. But I would say majority of estheticians who get into private label, they do it wrong. They do it wrong. Especially if they're taking it and they're trying to mimic something that they already have that's already branded. And, I'll, and I have, I believe I've talked about this. I may not. If I don't, then I'll I'll try to bring another episode and talk about the the journey of private label and um, kind of completing that client circle. So not only are clients coming to you because it's your product, your client spend is higher because it's your products and they're only able to come to you to get it. So yeah, I may have to do a podcast about that. This episode has been sponsored by Smooth Skin Supply and the Esthetician Summit. The Esthetician Summit is April 21st through 23rd, 2024 at the Plano Event Center. For more information, visit www.estheticiansummit.com.